Hello, hello. Welcome back. Today, I'm here with my friend Morgan Jackson. Fun fact, we actually went to high school together. And we both married our high school sweethearts, which is funny. <laughs> and she just so happens to be not only an IBCLC, which is an internationally board certified lactation consultant, but she also happens to be a fellow mompreneur, working mom who is doing the dang juggle, <laughs> trying to build a business, not trying to build a business. She has a business, but maintaining a business, raising kids, juggling the fact of just childcare and needing two income household, but also needing your kids to be taken care of and like just yeah. all the things. So Morgan, if you want to just add to that and introduce yourself and talk about like what you do and how you do it. Yeah, I'd love to. So like Taylor said, my name is Morgan Jackson. I am a registered nurse for about 10 years and an IBCLC for a little over three years. And I own Prepare Beginnings Lactation, which is a Kansas City, Missouri-based lactation company where I provide in-home lactation support for anywhere from the prenatal phase all the way through weaning. And then I also provide virtual support for anyone in the entire world, which is really cool. That's part of being an IBCLC is you're not bound by any sort of region or um, lines when it comes to your certification. Um, I have two boys and we are busy. We are running, we're busy. I homeschool my oldest. Um, we just finished kindergarten. We'll be starting first grade in the fall. And then I have a two and a half year old um, that breastfed both of them, challenges with both of them. So I really, um, I really live out what I'm working and helping moms through. Um, and been a wife for a while. And like Taylor said, like met my husband in high school and, um, one of the things that has led me down the path of being where I am now with Prepared Beginnings is trying to fill a gap that I noticed back when I had my first of being present with moms who are in a similar um, age ranges, myself in similar lifestyle situations. Um, when it comes to trying to like balance having the presence with your child and working and trying to maintain milk production, um, being culturally competent, that sort of thing. And um, I'm just happy to be here and being able to share what I have, but also engage and learn from others. I feel like there's so many things that I want to ask you about you, what you said. So, okay. So with your first, you were not a lactation consultant yet, but with your second, you were. Correct. Yeah. So okay. with my first, I was working in the maternal child health world, I actually became pregnant the month after I started a job in maternal child health. And so I knew oh, wow. nothing about babies, nothing about pregnancy. I was like, I come back from an intense week long training for my, for this role. And, um, like three weeks later found out I was pregnant. So I was like, okay, like I'm learning this and I'm living this. All wow. Yeah. Do you feel like your experiences were super different with like having all the knowledge you had the second time? I know you had challenges with both though. So I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, I think that first time there was a lot of shock. It was very unexpected pregnancy, unplanned. 
Um, I struggled a lot with um, accepting the fact that I was pregnant. We had just gotten married. And so Mm -hmm. I was just trying to like live like married life. We got pregnant like four months after we got married. Um, And so there was a lot of emotional and mental stress the first time around. Um, I, because I was new to maternal child health, I didn't really know how to advocate for myself. My background is cardiac nursing. And so I knew all about heart and all about like how to um, be healthy in terms of heart function. And um, I, I just was ignorant completely to maternal child health. And so I didn't really know how to ask good questions in my prenatal care. I didn't know how to, I just like went with the OB, like my guy. I just like, you know, just like, okay, great. I already know her. She'll, she can deliver my baby. I didn't understand that all of those decisions matter the first time around until I lived through situations where I was like, hmm, I feel like perhaps the care was lacking um, or things weren't explained. Uh, and I know we've talked a lot about informed consent before, mm-hmm. um, just in the past and previous conversations. And that was something that from the first to the second, I really made sure was occurring was informed consent. And mm-hmm. I understood, my husband understood what was being presented to us and what the implications would be. Um, and so I feel like, although I had similar situations in terms of like blood pressure issues, preeclampsia with both pregnancies, I was able to have a completely different experience. Mm. Yeah. And what's so crazy is most moms who don't know all of that information that you mentioned, not knowing are not going through like the intense trainings and things that you were going through. Like it just happened to be your job at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And like that the only reason why I can credit those situations being different. Yeah. And I had helped in that process of having, you know, my first and my second. Well, by then I helped hundreds of moms because mm. I had already gone from working one-on-one with first time moms um, in a very intimate setting. We were, I was working with them for two and a half years, seeing them almost weekly to wow. then going to the hospital and seeing moms um, you know, multiple moms a day helping with breastfeeding. And so throughout that course of time, I had, I had grown so much and I had learned so much. And I think I was able to navigate more. And I really try and put that mindset in the um, hands of my clients. So just for an example, I was talking with someone and she's, pregnant, expecting, not, not a first time mom, a very experienced mom. And she just had some questions and some concerns. And I asked her a few kind of pointed questions about like, what did she feel comfortable with? What were her actual feeding goals versus what she felt like she should be choosing? And she said, wow, you're the only person who's on my care team that's asked me those specific questions about what is it that I truly want? What are my actual goals? What do I want to work towards? Or what do I know want to pull back from and so I think that is one thing that makes me a little bit different because I've experienced so much and I've seen moms experience so much that I'm like hold on let's try and keep the power in their hands what questions Um, do you think other provide like what how are those questions being worded if that's the first time she had heard it worded like that like is it more just like 
here's how we can help you with XYZ feeding plan, not knowing if that's even what you want kind of thing. I think a lot of it is actually silence. Mm. I don't know if you've experienced this or not, or had a mom share with you where there was just no conversation at all. There was just a, maybe a broad kind of feeding sort of information of here's a packet of information. There's a few handouts on pace bottle feeding and proper, proper formula prep and, you know, breast care. And then things like kind of move on because I think a lot of times feeding education is presented as breastfeeding is the best thing for your baby, but if it doesn't work out or when it doesn't work out, here's formula and here's what to do. And, and we just leave it at that. Um, mm -hmm. So moms, one, typically leave with the impression of, okay, feeding won't work out. And two, um, if I'm struggling, I'm doing something wrong, so I should just quit. Mm. Instead of someone actually sitting down and talking to them about infant feeding choices, what are their actual goals? One of the things I got in the habit of asking in the hospital, because you see someone for such a short amount of time is when you are, at, when you get home, how do you envision feeding your baby? Because mm. most moms will have an answer, but they won't necessarily have an answer. If you ask them things like, do you think you want a bottle? Or just yes or no questions don't really get to the heart of things. But when you ask someone like, because we've all envisioned like, right? Like we've all thought about what would be the most ideal situation for having your baby and like being at home. Yeah. And it just allows for more conversation. And that then allows me to provide better support. It sounds so parallel. And I'm sure we've had this conversation before with, how I work with my clients prenatally of like, how do you want this experience to feel? And knowing that like, it truly does not matter what you choose. Like the actual tangible choices matter so little. It's about how you felt about those choices and how those choices actually made you feel. If they made you feel more calm, peaceful, empowered, whatever those feelings you wanted to feel. Because one mom is going to go home and someone's going to say, oh, breastfeeding's not working out or it's it's tough. Here's a bottle. Like, don't worry. We've got formula. And that mom is going to feel so angered. So like, this isn't what I want. This isn't what I envisioned. I want to breastfeed. Why is nobody offering me help breastfeeding? Why is somebody just handing me a bottle? Whereas mom B over here is going to be like struggling to breastfeed and someone's going to offer her a bottle and she's going to be like, thank God someone just offered me that bottle because I thought I had to breastfeed. Like two different moms with two different visions. And it's like, there's no right or wrong. It's like, what do you want? <laughs> exactly. And I think, especially as women, we have a fear of voicing what we want. We don't want to ruffle feathers. We don't want to make people upset. And so we just go along with whatever is suggested. Um, and that's exactly right. There's there's a mom feeling both things. And if options aren't presented to her or she doesn't know she has options, then most of the time she's not going to get what she wants out of the experience. Yeah. And there are so many things kind of like you were saying earlier, like, 
here's your packet or here's the thing. Like things aren't presented as options, even though they are options, but they're just kind of presented as, okay, well, here's what you've got. And if that doesn't work, here's yeah. what you've got. Kind of like, you know, even like in, in labor, like, okay, well, you can do this. And then if that doesn't work, here's your epidural. Like That's so true. Or like, or here's the Pitocin, like you can progress over the next hour. And if not, we're starting Pitocin. Like that's not, those aren't options. Right. It's so, but people, you know, moms and no fault to them because this is not common knowledge and this stuff isn't talked about, which is why we're trying to have more of these conversations out loud is like, they don't know that. They don't know yeah. it's not an option. They don't know to ask for something different because they don't even know that there is something different to ask for. So it's like, how can you, you know, it's like, yeah. if my ignorant ass went to like the, the car shop and they're like, you need this transmission. I'd be like, okay. okay. <laughs> like, that sounds right. My husband's like, you're never going alone. I'm like, yeah, don't send me. Yeah. No, <laughs> I don't know what to ask. Yeah. Um, so I feel like what you're saying too, and this is one of the reasons why, so if you're list, like for listeners of this podcast and you're like, okay, isn't this podcast about like being in the driver's seat of your life and as a mom and like, you just, you keep talking about like birth stuff and prenatal stuff. Cause obviously you guys, that's my realm. But as you can see, if you've listened to these past episodes and to this episode, like there's so much that starts with the pregnancy, with the postpartum phase that feeds into our motherhood journey. So when moms are being treated like they don't have decisions in pregnancy, in labor, in birth, and in early postpartum with how they freaking feed their children, like it takes our power away in motherhood. So we are not able to live motherhood the way we want, mother the way we want, be in the driver's seat of our own experience. And it all stems from like this early time right here. So like people like Morgan and myself, like being able to kind of help you remember that you do have this power in early motherhood so that you can kind of take that power into the rest of your motherhood journey. I think it's just super, super powerful. Um, I do want to touch a little bit on some breastfeeding topics, but then I kind of want to lean back into some of the like mom stuff. Cause I feel like that's the juicy stuff, but <clears throat> I want to know like, what are some of the main problems you see and you help moms with? And maybe just like off the top of your head, like three to five, like just super, these are the very common misconceptions or just like things you hear mom saying over and over again that you're like, actually, if you did this small tweak, it would make your whole experience different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Obviously I could talk about this stuff all day. But I know. Short. The most common things that I help with or get questions on is of course, getting started with breastfeeding and how to help with latching and um, making sure baby's transferring milk really well. The other common thing that I help moms with is the transition back to work because about 75 to 80% of my clients are working moms um, in some capacity. And the transition from maternity leave to returning to work looks different for uh, everyone, but there's always some common threads of just the stress of it all, 
navigating pumping, bottle feeding, that sort of thing. And then the other common reason that I work with moms is um, milk production and just worrying about supply, maintaining supply so that a mom can reach her breastfeeding goals for as long as that might be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those are the three main reasons that or the main like common threads when it comes to lactation care. With that, I'm gonna tack something on is, I think that a lot of times we narrow down lactation care to the early on. And so that's why I think sometimes around like six months, I don't hear from clients anymore because they're like, oh, I didn't know you could help with introducing solids. I didn't know you could help with like maintaining supply after they're one or Mm -hmm. weaning or anything like that. And so I'm starting to now have clients with older babies or even toddlers, because now that there's kind of an influx of IBCLCs, which is amazing and needed. And so there's more intention on Instagram and social media about breastfeeding and lactation. Families are starting to see that IBCLCs are a resource throughout the span of feeding, not just in the newborn phase. Um, So I am starting to get more of that full circle, which is really nice. Um, And then what was the other question that you asked? Like common misconceptions or small tweaks that you think people like, like you get a lot where they're like, this is happening. And you're like, oh, if you just do this small little thing or just like. Yeah. So early on. Pregnancy. (laughs) Early on, it has a lot to do with latching. Because it's brand new. It's new for mom. It's new for baby. Even if you're an experienced mom, you've not had this baby before. And they've not breastfed before. Um, And so a lot of it is latching and the misconception that a baby can just attach to the breast on their own and have a deep, successful latch that's pain-free and will remove milk. Mm. And that's really not the case. I mean, newborns are floppy. They don't have a ton of stamina. They don't have a ton of energy. And so we have to really help them. We have to get them to the breast, position them well, support them at the breast and hold their neck and shoulders tight. We have to make sure that their belly is against mom so that they feel balanced and secure. And we have to really hold the breast in a way that's going to allow for a deep latch. So babies attached to mom's areola and not her nipple. And so I think the first misconception is that as long as the baby's latched, they're drinking well from the breast and really a deep latch with a wide mouth and a straight aligned baby is really key. Um, Another misconception is introducing a bottle or a pacifier too early will just completely derail breastfeeding. And so a lot of times I've had clients that are really um, fearful of using tools that can be helpful and it's not their fault at all because sometimes like we were talking about earlier, everything's like black and white, like either breastfeed or bottle, either, um, you know, exclusively pump or only do formula. Like there's all of these things when really, when we're using tools properly, um, they can really aid in the breastfeeding experience and even keep a mom going through yeah. those harder times or while we're working on latching or weight gain. Um, and so I work a lot with my clients on choosing the best pacifier, choosing the best bottle, 
how to use them properly in a way that's going to benefit the experience. And, you know, I'm a mom. So I always tell moms that both of my babies got bottles on day two. And I, I just, I see their relief when I say that they're like, oh, so you're not going to, you're not going to judge me. Or then they're asking more questions about like, well, how do I do that? Can you show me? Can you, you know, like they're pulling dad in like, Hey, she's going to teach us about bottles. And it's like, you know, the, the consultation just like opens up. They're like, oh, you're not, you're not going to down me because I'm wanting to do a bottle. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think just being real and being transparent goes a long way because we're all moms and we all want to make the best choices for our, our kiddos. Um, and then another misconception that I address a lot is the frequency at which newborn babies feed. Um, I get, this is kind of a soapbox for me, but (laughs) I, I, I truly believe that lack of prenatal, prenatal education about breastfeeding sets moms up for failure and unrealistic (laughs) expectations set as up for failure every single time. And I know you see this with birth, unrealistic expectations about birth um, and healing in the postpartum period, but not understanding the needs of a newborn is really the downfall of a lot of feeding situations. In in what way, like, do you see that play out? So a lot of times if you're a first time mom, like I was, you know, how I said earlier, I was learning alongside my clients as I was taking these classes and I was going through these trainings about maternal child health. I was learning that newborns have tummies that are the size of a cherry when they're born and they only take a teaspoon of milk, which means that they're going to eat 10 or 12 times in 24 hours because they can only consume small amounts. Well, before that, I would have said, oh, no, you could just give a newborn a bottle a few times a day and they're good. I had no idea. Yeah. And I think a lot of moms go into that situation just like I did. Of, Oh, no, I should probably breastfeed like, I don't know, four or five times a day. My baby's fine. Um, they're not going to wake up during the night. I, we just don't, you just don't know what you don't know. And at no point are you receiving this education of newborns need to eat every two to three hours. They're going to wake up at night and that's normal and it's a protective mechanism to keep them one from starving, but two from it's a protective mechanism against SIDS. And um, that babies want to be on you because they need you to help them regulate their vital signs and their body temperature. And they wanna know that they're safe. So they want to be on you. Um, those are things that I didn't know. And I know a lot of moms don't understand that your baby needs to be held. They don't want to be held. They're not manipulating you to be held. They, they need, there's a physical need to be held and that their brain development is directly impacted. And so I think I cringe when I see or get questions, not, I don't cringe at the mom. I cringe at the lack of education in our um, maternal child health world of the need for babies to be with us, to be on us, and to be eating frequently because their only job is to grow into mm, Like what kind of questions? How do I keep my baby from waking up and eating during the night? 
when will my baby stop eating during the night? And this is like with like few week olds or is this like, yeah, this is any age range. This is any age range. Um, my baby was up feeding all night long. What's wrong? What am I doing wrong? And I, I just tell moms, you're not, you're not doing anything wrong. And I try and affirm the situation and give them confidence of like, oh my gosh, you notice a change in your baby that they started cluster feeding. Good job. They're hitting a growth spurt. Like you're already in that mom mindset and shifting it from, oh yeah, your baby shouldn't be waking up because that might be the advice that they're getting from someone else, grandma, Mm -hmm. auntie, you know, well-meaning, but that might be the advice that they're getting from someone else. And so shifting it to show them like, no, your baby's doing exactly what they should do. And you are too, by responding to their needs and picking up on those changes. And then even asking for help of, is this right? What else should I do? How do I support myself? And really affirming moms in that um, and normalizing that newborn phase is exhausting as is three to six months, as is six to nine months, as, you know, like, because I think we're all waiting on that moment of like, I won't be tired anymore. They're not going to need me as much anymore. And it just, that moment doesn't actually ever arrive. Right. <clears throat> when you're getting more sleep during the night, you're exuding more energy during the day. <laughs> Sorry, moms. Just get ready. And I think it's not. <laughs> Like, it's not a negative thing. I'm like, I am keeping you from killing yourself <laughs> 10 times a day. Please stop. But at least you sleep at night now. <laughs> you know, because literally all day we're running. And yeah. so it's, I just trying to reframe it and not make it a bad thing. Like how we can laugh about it because that's just the reality of what it is. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make it bad. Or it doesn't make it like wrong for your child to, to act like a child. Yeah, which kind of two reasons why, like, I want to touch on this whole, like, mom who, like, the, the the whole motherhood experience as far as, like, how we're making it work. Not that, you know, all moms listening to this have jobs outside the home. Um, God bless you, because if I was with my kids all day, every day, I would lose my damn mind. So bless you. But like, I think part of the problem here, the reason why moms think my kids should be sleeping through the night or these types of things is because culturally, that's the demand on us. Because we are required to work like we don't have kids and mother like we don't have jobs. So it's like, how do we teach these things while also honoring that there is a lot required of us? And I love what you said earlier about like supporting you. So like your baby is going to wake up every two to three hours, but how can we support you through that? Where that's what's missing. There is no support for her through that. Not saying there's no support. There's lots of support And I encourage all of you listening to go seek out support, but that support's not usually free. That support might come with, even if it is free of cash, it's not maybe free of strings or like, there's always things that we have to factor into this. So like, I'm not asking you even for an answer because this is like a systemic deep problem, but like, 
what are some things that you tell moms of like how they can support themselves when their babies are in these phases or like going through these cluster feeds or whatever? Yeah. And I love what you said of there is support available, but every mom can't always access that support. And I think back to my first time being a mom, I vaguely knew that support was available because again, I just tiptoed into this maternal child health world and I knew something was missing, but I was like, what is it? What's the key? And it was preparation ahead of time. Mm. Like I remember, I remember being so proud. I had made like some cadsicles and I had like made some freezer meals and I was like, I'm ready. I'm good. (laughs) The nursery is painted. (laughs) Like we are rolling. I had, you know, printed off like this sheet to put on the crib that like, it's like breastfed baby, don't give formula. And I remember thinking like, this is enough. Like I'm checking those boxes. I'm doing those things. And it wasn't. And I think one of the things that I challenge moms to do, and I know it's like hard to get there mentally is to do like level up whatever it is that you're doing. Um. Like do whatever you can prep in pregnancy, do it without it, you know, being too strenuous, but prep as much as you can, because in postpartum, when baby is waking up every two to three hours and you're sore and you're recovering, you're going to thank your pregnant self for getting those snacks ready in baggies for like your 2 a.m. breastfeeding session. You're going to thank yourself for having purchased items that are going to set you up for maybe healing or success. Like one of the things I encourage moms to do is instead of buying like really expensive nipple cream or nipple butter, like add that money together and buy silverettes. Yeah. Or um, instead of purchasing three or four pumps, because that's kind of a trend right now is like, having a lot of different options when it comes to breast pumps. Uh Oh, (laughs) buy a manual pump and like one really good other pump because you're going to thank yourself, your pregnant self for buying a manual pump that you don't have to figure out how to use and read a manual and charge. And you can just pull out a manual pump and pump in about five to 10 minutes and be done. Um, And so it's those little things that set us up for success and not to put it all on moms because it's certainly not, but since that's who's listening and that's who we're addressing. And if I could go back and tell my pregnant self, those things, I know it would have helped on the back end. Um, and I think the other thing is having your list, even if you aren't sure if you're going to need these people, having a list of providers that you can call having a lactation consultant, a a postpartum doula, a pelvic floor therapist, a chiropractor, just like compiling a list, knowing how to access their care will just do like leaps and bounds. Having like a mental health provider that you can establish care with quickly because PMADs occur and um, we have to seek help. Like don't be miserable at home. And so, and in your mind, knowing that you're, you might be dealing with 
postpartum depression or anxiety or rage, like having a list of providers that you can access instead of when you're in the moment, because it's really hard when you're struggling with breastfeeding to then take the steps to find a lactation consultant, check your insurance schedule. Like, because I have a lot of moms that for established care and pregnancy, when their baby's born, they just text me. They're like, Hey, baby's here. Let's get going. And it's that mental load is off your back. And I think that is another way that we can, that's something that we can do for ourselves. And it goes a long way because it is a systemic problem. The lack of maternal child health so resources and support, but instead of waiting on the system to change, how can we actually advocate for ourselves in the moment and it will actually make a difference? Yeah, 100%. Um, I couldn't agree more about just how utterly important it is to educate yourself. (laughs) Like the more you know, the more you are going to be able to trust your intuition to make decisions, the more you are going to eliminate potential problems. And what I started to notice with my clients, what was happening was, even though I would recommend go find prenatal education on on infant feeding, you know, go find this this education, even if it's, even if you're not going to breastfeed, you know, on pace bottle feeding or tummy size or yeah, the frequency of like that kind of education is needed no matter how you feed your baby. Um, they wouldn't all necessarily do it, which trust me, I get it again, no blame. Like we're all freaking busy, especially a lot of my clients have other kids. They have jobs. Like I get it, but I would be getting texts postpartum with questions that I know for a fact would have been covered in that very basic prenatal breastfeeding education that now they're dealing with, with a lack of sleep, with sore nipples, while they're healing from whatever way their baby came out of their bodies. And like that on top of all of that, it gets so overwhelming and it makes it that much harder for you to reach whatever your goals are. And so like, just so you guys know, if you do hire me and you go through my prenatal coaching, you get a course from Morgan because this was so, so needed that I was like, okay, Morgan, what do we do? (laughs) Like, how do we get this information into mom's hands? And so like, I just, yeah, can't stress enough, like how much it's important. And I love what you said about the list because I always recommend that to all my clients too. Um, I'm trying to think like specifically to breastfeeding. I know we had talked about some other topics, but I feel like we could totally talk about this forever and ever and ever as far as breastfeeding tips and tricks and all of that. Um, is there anything before we kind of move back into like the working mom aspect of things that you just want to make sure moms know about breastfeeding, infant feeding, like just 
I know we talked a little bit about tummy size, pace bottle feeding being like topics that we could touch on, but I know all of those things, like we could go down rabbit holes <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I think one thing I always want to leave moms with is no matter what their feeding goals are, that's okay. And yeah. your, your breastfeeding journey or infant feeding journey doesn't have to look the same way as someone else's. And that's fine. You have to do what's best for you and your baby. And if that might mean breastfeeding for three years, that might mean breastfeeding for the first month postpartum and then switching over to exclusively pumping or bottle feeding or whatever it might be. And that's, that's wonderful. And I think what matters is you feeling good about your decision and feeling like you have peace with that. Um, and I think there's so much pressure on moms to perform and to um, even meet expectations that are unattainable. You know, I've had moms that are in the military, they're active duty, and it would be unrealistic to put the expectation that she should breastfeed through the first two years because that's what who recommends. And as an IVCLC, of course I support that, but is it realistic? Would it be healthy? I've had moms that are, they're getting deployed. So let's work on breastfeeding while you can, drying up your milk real well and in a healthy way. And then you feel like you can shift your mindset and be ready to serve our country. I mean, I think we have to look at each mom as an individual instead of just like clumping, oh, you're a first time mom, you're an experienced mom, you're, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And looking at each mom individually and letting her know you deserve custom care because you're a person who matters and is valued and your voice, you know, carries weight. Yeah. Well, and health in general is holistic, right? So when we think about, and like two things, and I always tell this to my clients, like you can feel two different things at one time, like two contradictory feelings at one time. Um, I feel like two contradictory ideas can also be true at the same time. Like breast milk can be the gold standard of physical food that you can put into your baby, but that doesn't always necessarily mean it's the healthiest thing for the the unit, the mom-baby dyad unit, because mom's health matters too. If she cannot be healthy mentally and physically, and it's like eating her away inside to give her baby this quote-unquote gold standard, like, because, you know, then it's like, is that the healthiest thing? Is now, is now she like, is baby drinking stress? You know, like is baby, like my mind goes to all of that. Like, and if mom is not well, because she's trying to do this thing that she like, just thinks she has to do. Um, it's just, there's so many ways to think about what's the healthiest too. Um, and I know this conversation is so nuanced, you know, with feeding, but it's just like me giving my kids like organic food most of the time. And then when I'm like, bro, I'm stressed out. It's been a long week. Like, 
we are going to freaking drive through. Like, I don't care. Like, no, it's not the yeah. best thing I can put in your body, but it's what I need today. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think that's okay. Um, and we have to let go of what other people think or what mm -hmm. they think we should do and do what's best for ourselves and for our, our kids. And I think that's a perfect segue. Like, if you're willing to talk about this for a little bit longer, I don't know if you have to go like right at the top of the hour, but um, of like not worrying so much about what people say we should do and doing what's right for us and our kids. And that is like the whole premise behind, like I feel like what I talk about and what this podcast is even about is like, who cares what society says? Who cares I feel like just like what you said about it's either breast milk or formula or this or that it's like with with motherhood I feel like it's either you stay at home with your kids and you don't make money or you go work a job and your kids go to daycare and like those are the two expectations and I feel like for most of us like literally I talk to women every single day that one of those two options is not the reality. It's like, absolutely. <laughs> I'm piecemealing it together because our household needs two incomes, but also we can't put our kids in full-time daycare because that would A, be the, the price of one of our incomes alone, or B, because I don't freaking want to, because I want to be with my kids more. I want, you know, I didn't like choose that light like that's not the life that I wanted as a mom so I don't know I just love to hear like your thoughts on that and I know our stories are similar and just that we've both like built businesses and worked jobs and quit jobs and added to our plates and taken off of our plates and it's just it's really important I feel like that we talk about this as as moms who are kind of in that weird in-between <laughs> Yeah. And it's a constant in between. Like I kept thinking that I'd get to a place where I wouldn't feel like the constant pull of motherhood and work. And <laughs> then I accepted. <laughs> okay. Okay. At least I'm not alone. Um, and then I accepted, oh, this is actually the place where I am. It's like, I'm, I'm in the in-between, not constantly going back and forth from one to the other, like I'm actually living empty. And that's okay because I didn't, I, I didn't want to work full-time when I had our, our oldest. I stayed full-time for nine months. And then I went to my supervisor and I was like, look, I know this is not like a part-time job, but I need it to be part-time. Well, good and for like asking that. I... I know. I don't know where I got that. For. I, I'm usually, well, I guess I've never had a need to do something like that, to try and bargain or like negotiate in a work situation. Yeah. And kids put you in a situation where you're like, no, 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 they're actually more important. So I, um, I was able to go part-time and then I did lactation in the hospital part-time and worked like really crazy hours for a long time. And then, you know, you just pivot. Like every time you hit a new phase, you just pivot and you're like, okay, well, this isn't working. What else? 
And what else can I add? What else can I change? And I think, I think research shows that like being a mom makes you more creative. And so it was like, and more efficient and more efficient and more like gutsy. Like you just do things that you wouldn't normally do under normal circumstances. But, um, I just remember thinking that there was no way my son was going to go to full-time daycare. Like only family had watched him and taken care of him. And there was just like no way that he was going to go to full-time daycare. And that's not, I'm not like shaming any mom that has their kid in full-time daycare at all, at all. Mentally, it would have broken me. Yeah. It would have, I had really bad, um, postpartum depression and anxiety and it would have like put me over the edge mm-hmm. um because even with family watching him it was still like really hard and so I knew that I didn't have the mental capacity to handle that and so I was like what how do we make it work and thankfully I have a very supportive husband who um wanted to make sure that I was in a good place mentally and like he wanted our kid to have as much time with mom as possible as well And so over the years, it's just been like trying different things. Um, I love lactation care. And so it's been a mixture of in-home or virtual or both or classes, you know, whatever kind of fits into life. And I tell all my clients too, I take a small load. I don't have a full-time schedule of lactation clients. And I make that clear. And I also let them know in the intake forms of, some of the boundaries I have in terms of times that I'll respond to questions um, and and that sort of thing. And as fellow moms, I've only, I've gotten nothing but love about that. I was going to say that, yeah. Yeah. Questions of like, well, how do you, I'm thinking about shifting into the birth world. Like, what did that look like for you? Or I'm going to decrease my hours at work. Like, what did you do to shift? And not that I'm like, agree or have answers on that but just sometimes you need to see someone else doing something so you know it's possible and I never painted it as like easy or you know it's you know it's a constant grind to get it figured out but I think for me it's for us it's really really worth it it's definitely a constant grind it's definitely not easy and I had to come to the realization in that first year of life or like with the twins um of like I don't want them to go to full-time daycare at least before they're like maybe a year and a half which they haven't they're two almost two and a half and they still haven't gone to daycare because we've been able to make it work with babysitters but it's like I had to have that weird well I don't know if it's weird, but like that heart to heart with myself of like, I am not meant to be a full-time stay-at-home mom. Like I am going to lose my mind. This is not for me. I do not get fulfilled by this, but I want the freedom. I want the freedom to spend half the day with my kids on a weekday or to just take them to the pool on a Friday. Or if my kids are sick to not have to ask my boss if I can be with my kids, like F that. I'm like, no, like I wanted both. I wanted the best of both worlds. And there have been so many times where like my husband and I have talked through like, what job could I have? What would be the salary potentially if I went back to work full time? And 
should I just go get a job? And would that make more sense for us schedule-wise, financial-wise? And even if the answer is yes to that like question on paper, I'm always like, absolutely not. Like it would kill my soul, kind of like what you said. And it's that choose your heart. Like it is not easy, but it would be more easy for me to be home building a business, working a part-time job and being a mom full-ish time for the most part, especially that first year, than it would have been for me to drop my kids off at daycare and go to a job where I was working for someone else all day, Monday through Friday. Like I, like you said, I would have died inside. And yeah, yeah. (laughs) I knew that about myself. And I was like, well, this is really fucking hard, but this is less hard then that would have been because that would have been easy on paper, but would have killed me inside. I love that. Choose your heart because for a long time, I thought once again, the black and white, either I'm a working mom or I'm a stay at home mom. Yeah. And then being a business owner, I was like, Oh, okay. Like, I guess I'm a working stay at home mom and trying to figure that out. And it's hard either way. Like, Having a full-time job is really hard and your kids in daycare and you're constantly like wishing you had more time with them or um, the demand of, of work is before kids was great. And then after kids, not so great. Um, but either way, we have to choose what hard we're going to chase. Yeah. And I think sometimes anyone feels like you don't want to have to choose hard either way. Like mm-hmm. what's the easy option, but there actually isn't, there isn't one. And I think I fell into that a lot. And like, I'd mm-hmm. be like crying to my husband and all this. He's yeah. like, well, just go get a job. And I'm like, yeah. but I don't want to. And he's <laughs> like, well then fucking deal with it. Like you've got to pick. Cause yeah, it would, it would always kind of come back to like, well, we need to meet this income goal. So mm-hmm. you can do that either working in the hospital as a nurse or as a lactation consultant. Or you can pick up your business and get it done. But either way, something has to happen. And I think that's where husbands that's help like, balance things out. Because otherwise, I, I just just stop all of it. And for me, that's not an option. Like to just stop is not an option. So it's like, which direction we're going in. And even what you said earlier about pivoting and having to pivot in those different seasons, I think I used to judge myself for pivoting so much. Like, you know, we both went to like a college prep school. We grew up in a time where I feel like it was very, very common for everybody to be told, like, you go to high school, you do the best you can, you go to college, you get a degree. Like, that's what we were told to do, you know, and we graduated, you know, in the recession, went to college, and then jobs were harder to get. Pay was not as great. We're dumped with student loans and all these things that like are kind of that millennial generation like has to deal with and we do need two incomes but it it is like okay but but how how do people have two incomes and also have kids but I used to judge myself for that pivot pivoting so often and I think once I finally removed that judgment of like yeah, you're probably going to pivot six more times. So just deal with it. Like it is what it is. I think I just was like, huh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that no one is looking at you saying, oh my gosh, she's doing something else. She's doing something different. Make up your mind. No one is like, (laughs) 
literally no one because no we're all you. in the boat of like trying to figure it out because we're all like you said we're all millennial moms trying to figure it out so if I see you pivot I'm like oh she found something that's working good for her and I think that that held me back a lot too and I I'm in, I'm about to pivot in a different direction as well and and niche down more in my business and that feels like like you were saying like oh my gosh I'm changing again I'm but it's part of growth too, and it's <laughs> scary is it scary for you I keep being like it's been something for months that I have needed to do and I keep like fighting or even moving in the opposite direction of it me too and I'm to the point where it has to happen and I want it to like I'm now in a place where I actually want it to yeah, I just dropped an episode and I recorded another one. Well, the other one's a little less about business, a little bit but more about my personal life, but just talking about how being in this phase of my business where I am transitioning more from in-person to completely virtual. And it's really freaking hard for me because not only that, but I am niching down to kind of the type of mom that I serve. And it's really scary as a business owner to do that because not only do you feel like you're leaving people out, but you also feel like you're you're letting go of a piece of yourself. And like one thing I've learned in business is like as you grow, and I think this relates to motherhood in general, whether you have a business or not, is like as you grow and evolve and pivot, pieces of you have to die. Like when you become a mom, the the single like life of being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, like that person dies. <laughs> she does not exist anymore. And that is a really, really hard transition that we don't talk about a lot, especially as like kind of driven working moms, like for like, even if my husband did make all the money in the world and I didn't have to work, I would want to be doing a lot of the things that I'm doing anyways. Like my soul needs this. So I think becoming a mom is really tough for a lot of women that are in that mindset because I don't get fulfilled by baking bread. I don't get fulfilled by doing Play-Doh with my kids. I wish I did, but I don't. Like, I'm not crafty. Like, I just don't like that stuff. I want to, like, take my kids and do, like, fun shit outside. But, like, sitting down and, like, playing Legos, I'm like, I want to die. Like, I would rather go do dishes. Um, But it's like, that's the stuff that we just don't talk about. And that's that transition that we don't talk about. And that like, we do have to shed these pieces of ourselves as we grow and evolve. But that's really scary. Like, that's really scary. And yeah, I can do this when you're like, is this actually going to work? <laughs> then you have also yeah. that piece of it of like, but I also kind of have to make money. So is this actually going to work? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a wild ride that I, like you said, like the way we were educated, I would not have seen for myself because it's like risky and it's not inside the lines. And I get questions all the time, like, well, you're a nurse. Why don't you just go like work at the hospital? Like, it's kind of confusing to people why I would want to own a business when I could just go work three days a week and have full-time income and it's just not always that simple mm -hmm. especially when you have integrity about the way you run your practice and sometimes within those other systems that integrity is not being upheld and that's yeah you 
there's so many factors, so many factors. Um, I feel like I, there was something else you said and I like lost it, but Oh, I think just, I know what it was when you were saying like the moms are asking you these questions about, well, how are you making it work? And that I, I was about to say, like, even though you're not like an entrepreneur coach or a business coach or a mom coach or whatever, like you are still showing what is like possible for these moms. Because like we just were talking about like so many moms are in that in between. And so I think if we can show that hard, but how the hard is worth it and like just be really transparent about our journeys and how we're doing it. Um, I think that that's really, really cool that they're able to like not only get breastfeeding support, but also like, <laughs> how are you making this like working mom life work? Yeah. So I think we all, the more that we share information, the the better it is, like the better the journey is. Yeah. Cause I think so much of us are in more of a similar boat than a different boat. Like I think we're all right. so many more similarities than differences. Yeah. That's so true. Like I used to think that a lot and I would think, well, I'm the only one in, in my particular situation. But the more you talk to moms, the more you hear their story, you're like, oh, okay, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, I thought the same thing. And like every single conversation I have in my DMs is basically like, I'm at home with my kids, but I'm also working and we're making it do. And I work three days a week and my husband and I are ships passing in the night because that's what we have to do. And it's like, we're all in this boat. Like, let's freaking talk about it. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate you being willing to have this conversation with me and not, you know, not only share your amazing expertise about breastfeeding and infant feeding and education and all of that, but also just have this important conversation. It's yeah, thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. And it's always good to talk. Like, it's just, I always enjoy our conversations and I, um, I mean, we did more talking about just motherhood than breastfeeding, but I hope it gives moms <laughs> the picture that I don't see breastfeeding as just a solitary experience. Like it's part of motherhood and that's what they get when, when I work with them. Yeah. That's, yeah. I love that piece. How can people find you if they do want to work with you, if they're in the city and they want in person or if they're outside of Kansas City and they want virtual support? Yeah, and I'll so put that stuff in the show notes too. Oh, perfect. So there's a few different ways. If you are pregnant and expecting a baby, then booking a prenatal consultation is a great place to start or going through my self-paced course. Um, and so that meets the needs of different moms. If you're if you like to learn on your own before latching is a two and a half hour self-paced course that goes over infant feeding and bottle feeding as well. And then a one-to-one -one consultation is about 90 minutes and it's a personalized breastfeeding course. That's great if moms have any health conditions, they're on medications, or they know that their baby's going to be born with medical conditions. 
Um, and then if you are local and you're looking for in-home support, the best place to go is my website, which is just preparedbeginnings.com. You'll see a link there to check your insurance coverage and then also links to book a variety of consultations. I accept um, most insurance plans through the lactation network, but I have also many, many self-paying clients and you can pay with HSA or FSA dollars, which I don't think a lot of people know about. Well, that's awesome. Um, yeah. And then also um, because lactation care is covered under the Affordable Care Act, your insurance company is required to cover lactation care. That might mean you have to pay and then they reimburse you. That might mean they have specific lactation consultants that they will cover. Either way, reach out to your company and find out what you need to do to make sure you get that covered. And then I also um, provide virtual consultations that are also 90 minutes long for anyone anywhere in the world to talk about any breastfeeding issue from prenatal all the way through weaning. Um, and a lot of those are like returning to work, bottle feeding, um, introducing solids, that sort of and they can find those on your website too. All on, yeah, preparedbeginnings.com. It's my website. And then I am on Instagram at preparedbeginningslactation. And um, pretty soon there'll be a shift in the kind of content I'm sharing. So follow me now. And watch the shift. Yeah, I'm like, I think it's going to be fun. So go over and follow me at preparedbeginningslactation. And I just want to say to anybody that's maybe like hesitant about virtual, like how is she going to help me virtually? I can just speak to like my own mom, who's also an IBCLC. And like, I'm sure you can probably add something here, Morgan, of like, there is so much that you can do with assessing latch and assessing just like all of these different problems, even over a Zoom. And I just don't want people to be hesitant of like, well, I have to have someone come to my house. Like you actually really don't. No, I have helped moms around the world with latching, with breast care, even teaching them how to use their pump. Like that's something that you think, oh, it has to be hands-on. It really doesn't. And moms learn better that way because they're going through the motions and they're figuring everything out themselves as I'm guiding them. Mm, that's and a really good point like that I haven't thought about. Yeah, it, it makes a difference. So Canada, Great Britain, India, like I've worked with moms all over. Wow. Um, and it's like, as long as we have an internet connection, then we're good. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's really valuable for people to know, because I know people are probably listening to this and find you on IG that like aren't local. So if you connect with Morgan and you're not local, just know that you can still get help. You can still get her prenatal education course. And it's so, so worth it. And you should DM us both if you have questions about just working motherhood. Because yeah. that's where the <laughs> conversation went. But I feel like it just needed to be had. And I feel like you and I have had too many conversations, like, off air, quote unquote, that I'm like, man, I just feel like this needs to be re recorded. So I'm glad that we did that. Yeah, this was awesome. And I really appreciate the thoughtfulness of your questions and just thinking about if we're going through this, certainly someone else is too. So like, how can we add value to that, their experience? Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you so, so much. I want to respect your time. I know we're over, but um, just thanks again so much. Yeah, thank you.